Now I want to uh, take a moment and introduce our speaker for this morning. Uh, many of you know Mary Chong Carrera. Uh, because her role on our staff team has been part-time, not everyone knows that she's been on staff. So Mary's been a part of our church for, has it been like 20 years? More than 20 years? I don't know, she doesn't look that old, but she's been around for a really long time, providing leadership in all the years that she's been here. And just in the last almost two years, she offered herself in a season in which our youth ministry was in a space of transition. She offered our, herself to help smooth that transition. And she's been an extraordinary gift to us. That season has come to an end, so her role on staff ends, but she will continue to be amongst us as a spiritual influencer and leader. And we owe her a great debt of gratitude. So please welcome with me, Mary Chong Ferreira. closest experience that I'll ever have to being like a celebrity, like running on stage, right? Good morning. A special shout out to the youth in this room. Where are you at? Yeah. They are the secret to staying young. So if you would like to stay young, volunteer with the youth. All right. Like Brad said, my name is Mary. And if you've met me or spent any time with me, you know I love to talk, right? Especially about things and people I am passionate about. So I'm happy to be here to, uh, or I'm happy to be on the pulpit to talk about community, about faith journey, about my kids, just a few of the things that are my favorite. But my kids have asked me to refrain from telling stories about them, so you won't be hearing any of them today. Follow me on Instagram. So this summer, we have, been, uh, we have been doing a deep dive into scripture, hearing about different people from the Bible who are lesser known. Lesser known because we don't hear their stories as much as we hear about Paul or David or Jesus. But lesser known does not mean less important. In fact, we have heard multiple stories about remarkable people who have been a model of faith and who have been used by God to show the power of God. We also see in these stories that these remarkable people are not in isolation, but rather we see them engaging and interacting with the people and the systems around them. Their stories are weaved into the stories of others, and we'll continue in that theme this morning. So about 20 years ago, I started a new career with a college ministry. And part of my job, well, a lot of my job was just to hang out with young adults doing like crazy things like jumping into the ocean at 12 midnight to bond with them, staying up late, eating trash from the cafeteria, but having deep conversations about God and who he was and what was going on in their lives. These were all my favorite things about this job. But there was a part of my job that I was not really excited about, and that part was fundraising. I had to fundraise about $50,000 a year to cover my salary, benefits, and all ministry-related expenses. And my fundraising training encouraged me, contact everyone you know and ask them for an opportunity to share what you're doing. And then ask each of those people to connect you with the people that they know that might be interested. And I was like, no. 
okay. And so I did this, and a friend gave me the number to one of her friends and said, hey, I think my friend KP would be interested to know what you're doing. And so I was like, all right, I guess I'll give it a shot. So in the time before texting, in the time before Facebook messaging, I called her on from maybe my landline to her landline, and I was like getting ready to like talk to this stranger, and it went to her voicemail. And I was like, I got to leave a voicemail. So I shakily left one, hey, this is Mary, so-and-so gave me your number, I wanted to share this thing with you that I'm doing, okay, thanks, bye. And so, you know, I really didn't expect to get a call back. I was like, I'm a stranger to her. She doesn't know who I am. There's no way she's going to call me back, right? But a week later, to my surprise, I was sitting with her at Baskin Robbins, and I was just getting to share with her. I shared everything with her. I shared about my faith journey. I shared about how God brought me to this place, how he gave me a passion for college students, that I had all these hopes for college students, and I have a budget that I need to raise. So I shared all of this, and then she said, okay, it's my turn. And I was bracing myself a little bit, right? Because I'm like, don't say anything to me at this time. And she said, when I got your call, I knew you were my answer to prayer. I have been asking God for someone, for something that he cares about for me to give to and support. You are my answer to prayer. I remember feeling completely floored. I thought this was about my story. I thought this was about what God was doing in me but my understanding about God grew that day because it was also about KP's story, and I never imagined that. My understanding of God expanded. His kingdom and movements are so much bigger, grander, and more extensive than I can imagine. God weaves together the stories, the lives of people all through the Bible and all through our lives, like he did with Brian. He does this to, see how, to help us see how big he is and how real he is. So this morning, I want to introduce us to two people. Two people who are very different, with very different backgrounds. Two people unlikely to meet, but God brings them together. So meet Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. That's a key figure who speaks to the people on behalf of God. Prophets were significant to the people of God and a threat to those who opposed God. Elijah was a very important person. Now meet the widow. She was an unnamed woman, resident of a pagan land, which likely meant that she did not worship God. She was probably viewed by many as insignificant, maybe even disposable. She had very little, and many widows in that time lived off of the generosity of others. These two are very different, and yet their paths cross at the town gate of Zarephath. Their first meeting is captured in 1 Kings 17 to 70, 17, 7 to 16. Now, I'm going to read these verses, but first, let me pray. 
Jesus, thank you for gathering us together in this room. Thank you that you are bigger than what we can imagine. And I pray that you would come this morning and move us in us and show us how you are present and how you are at work. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we go. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make, me, make a loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now it is important to note that we are entering into the story at a time of desolation. There has been a severe drought. No rain, not even a little dew. We can't say for certainty how long the drought has lasted at this point, but long enough for a brook to have run dry. No rain for this period would have devastated the people and the land. Rain was essential for the growth of crops watering livestock, and the collection of drinking water. This drought greatly affected what the people had access to for basic necessities. It was not a time of flourishing, but a time of great need. Now imagine what Elijah's life was like. He's actually in hiding right now, hiding from the king, from King Ahab and, the, and his queen Jezebel, because he spoke against their worship of idols. Right before he went to Zarephath, he had been living in a ravine, drinking from a brook. Imagine being afraid for your life and then being led out of your hiding place, told to go to a town where the king and queen who are after you are ruling that town. I'd be a little scared. Imagine what the widow's life is like. Her husband is gone and so has lost her main source of provision. She has probably been relying on those in her community, but those supplies have likely diminished because the drought has affected everyone in the land. She has almost nothing left, a small handful of flour and a little bit of olive oil. She was a mom who could not provide for her son. She had resigned herself and her son to death. 
Elijah and the widow are in grave situations. There is fear, uncertainty, loss, hunger, resignation. And it is in this place of great need that Elijah brings, or that God brings Elijah and the widow together. God weaves their stories together at this moment to show himself to them. God chooses to reveal his promise, his power, and his provision to Elijah and the widow. God makes two promises here in verse 9 and 14. To Elijah, he says, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow to supply you with food. And in verse 14 to the widow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. God follows through with his promise to Elijah and to the widow and provides for their needs. So there was food every day for Elijah and the widow and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And this is God's power at work. It is a display of what God is able to do in the midst of a severe drought where there is no other answer. In a time where basic necessities were running out and people were in need, God multiplied a small handful of flour and a little bit of olive oil. This is a miracle. Now, I am the daughter of refugee immigrant parents, so I know how to stretch that la those last, like, cups of rice. But even with all the tricks I've learned, there is no way I could multiply a small handful of rice to feed three people for even one day. God's power of provision has been ca captured in stories throughout the Bible. In Exodus 16 to 17, God makes bread fall from the sky. Quails appear and water comes out of a rock. In the New Testament, the recorded stories of Jesus on two separate occasions, God multiplied a small amount of bread and a couple of fish to feed over 4,000 with leftovers collected. God is powerful and able to provide in times of need. This is our God. This is the same God who holds our stories and our lives. This is the same God who weaves us together in community. Our God is powerful to protect. He protects the lives of Elijah, the widow, and her family. Our God is powerful to promise, and he is powerful to fulfill those promises. There is an invitation here, maybe not obvious or explicit in the story of Elijah and the widow, but I believe they were invited by God to participate in the expression and experience of his power. They were not just passive recipients in this story. Elijah left the ravine and traveled over a hundred miles to Zarephath. When he saw the widow, he called out to her and made a request. The widow acknowledged Elijah and his God. She was completely honest 
about her situation. She responded to him with hospitality, even when she had little to share. Neither of them tried to hide their realities. And in their honesty, in their openness and responsiveness, they made space for God to show up. They opened up their lives to see God's miracle of provision, and we are able to see that as we recall their story. God has weaved their stories together on a foundation of great need, and he provides for them both. His heart of care, of love, of provision is expressed and experienced through their stories and lives becoming connected at the town gate. Now, I don't think that it's always easy to be vulnerable with others, especially in sharing our struggles, difficulties, and needs. I think we may be afraid of someone's judgment. We think that we are the outlier and the only one experiencing what we are experiencing, that we are failing somehow and others are not. We might feel ashamed, scared, alone, and just think, just wrong with me. And social media platforms do not help with this. All over my social media are posts of smiles and homes in perfect order and meals with all food groups represented on matching platters. (laughs) Right? And I'm scrolling through this while my kids are like fighting each other and yelling like, you're the worst mom in the world. And like the couch cushions are anywhere but on the couch and the Chicken nugget crumbs are all over the counter. Okay, so while the the picture-perfect smiles of happy people are nice to look at, they do not accurately represent reality. And I think we know that. Everything is not okay all of the time. And while it may feel safe to hide our needs from from each other, Elijah and the widow show us that in opening up to others, we can experience God's power. So I pride myself in being strong and self-reliant. Like, I really like to be able to handle things on my own. When I rearrange heavy furniture without having to ask Jesus for help, I'm like, yeah, check me out. Right? I really, really, really hate asking for help. And it definitely feels safer to hide my needs. But I realize that only serves to isolate me from others and make me even feel more alone. So while, I, while it is much easier for me these days to reach out and ask for help, I do still hesitate before I hit send on a text message, before I hit send on an email, before I pick up my phone to make a call. Now, the lockdown era of COVID was very, very hard for me, and I know it was very hard for many of us. I woke up crying almost every day. I had a a hard time getting out of bed, and Jesus would call it a win if I rolled off the bed to the floor, and he'd come in and go, you moved. Good job. I missed everything about being with people, being outside, being spontaneous, being on the move, being safe from worry about a disease that was taking lives. And I just couldn't pretend that I was fine. So I gave myself the freedom to break down. 
talked to friends, I posted on Facebook, I sent out texts and emails to ask for prayer, and people came from all directions to meet me where I was. You guys know Danielle Tittle. Danielle Tittle, Danielle, understood my fear about going out in the height of anti-Asian hate. So she said, I'm going to get groceries for you. And she made weekly deliveries to our house for months, maybe the whole year. Antoine and Jen Tang offered their backyard so that we could get out of the house and have somewhere else to be where the kids could run and jump and climb. Antoine would also leave us cookies, which was a big bonus. <laughs> Friends sent food and treats to the house. Women joined me in a weekly prayer meeting. Um, our new virtual small group listened and prayed and cared. Friends checked in on me. Friends prayed for me. Friends saw me. And while things were still really difficult with the lockdown, knowing that I was not alone, knowing that people saw me and cared for me, I experienced the love and power of God through that. And these connections, the way that God weaved my life with these friends, continue to grow today. Danielle and I have had so many conversations sharing joy and struggle. I know I can count on her. She loves my kids, okay, you guys? She will fight for them, which she did at a school function, which is a story for another day, but <laughs> worth, worth knowing that story, right? We find ways to do life together with Antoine and Jen and are growing deeper in conversations, shopping trips, and time at community pools. These are just some of the ways that I am experiencing the power and care of God as he weaves my life with others. As I opened up to my community about my needs and struggles, it made space for God to show up. Let's make room for God to show up. Let's be open to the ways that God might be weaving our stories together. Here in our church community and in other communities that you are a part of, at school, at work, at home, with neighbors, with extended family, Because when we do, we experience God's power, promise, and provision. And others around us will experience that too. The widow did not know God for herself when she first met Elijah. She called him your God. And it seemed she had little to offer. Yet in her responsiveness, God provided for her, and she herself experienced the power and provision of God. And her story has been elevated and recorded for generations like us to read and to know. It does not matter who we are or what our circumstances are. We have a God who loves us and sees us. He weaves our stories together so that we may experience his power, his provision, and promise. And like he invited the widow, and like he invited Elijah to participate, he also invites us. I wonder this morning, how are we, how are you like the widow? How do you see yourself in this story? How are we like Elijah? in need of provision, 
in need of protection, in need of help? How do you need to see the power of God in your life right now? Are you in a time of need? What kind of drought are you experiencing? It may be one of practical nature, tight budgets, car problems, bills, help with never-ending laundry. It may be one of emotional or social or spiritual nature, estrangement from family, broken trust in relationships, discouragement in work or parenting, unfulfilled hopes, doubts about yourself, disappointment with God, anxiety about school, health issues. Whatever you need, whatever our need is, God has the power to come into our situations. And God wants to. In the same way he was with Elijah and the widow in their time of need, God is with us in our times of need. Now, in a moment, some reflection questions will come up on the screen. I'm going to read them to us. How have you seen God weave your life with another's to experience his power? Is there something going on in your life that you can take a vulnerable risk to open up to a trusted person? Are you experiencing a drought? And how can you express your need to others and to God? Now, I want to say there may be some of us who we're doing all right right now. You know, things are kind of pretty much in order. If you resonate with this, my encouragement is for you to look around in, in your home, in our community here, at work, in your neighborhood. How can you be a part of someone's story with what you have to offer and experience God together? I want to encourage us to take a few moments to consider these questions. Which one resonates with you? And what is a response you can make today or in this week? And after a few minutes, if you're, if you're comfortable, please turn in twos and threes to share your reflection or a prayer request. Now let me pray. Jesus, thank you for the story of the widow and of Elijah. Thank you for bringing their stories together so that we may see how your power comes when they open up their lives to you. God, I pray that you would meet us here this morning where we are. God, would you show, would you make it safe? God, would you show us that there is safety in opening up to you? And would you bring people around us who are trustworthy and kind. And God, would you just show yourself to us in this way? In your name we pray.